And welcome back, ladies and gents, Six Pack Lapidat. This time I am accompanied by <coughs> Paul, the Marinara Man, Marinzan. Nope, it's kind of stereotypical, bro. <laughs> Hashtag no racist. Yeah. It's like you're Jewish, and I go, Paul, the banker, Goldsmith. I'm assuming that's how you introduced Matt Goldsmith. That's actually. right. That's right. I remember that episode. That's right. Yeah, I got a lot of flex. Uh, yeah, lost a lot of sponsors. Yeah, lost a lot of sponsors here. Yes. Randy uh, snuck in earlier today, made a rare appearance, and actually came out last night for for a birthday in USC. <coughs> I was just telling. Um, we're getting two minutes. Gonna. What's he saying? Is this this is Brett? Messaging us? That is Brett messaging us already. He's um he's been a little bit pushy. He's been a little pushy. He's very <laughs> eager to be on the podcast. <laughs> he's let me just real quick see what's this. Okay, I'm gonna grab a coffee. Well, that's good. A caffeinated bread is an energetic bread. Let's not have anything less. It's freaking six o'clock at night here. It is on a Sunday. Fucking yep. Monday morning over there. It's Monday morning over there. He's how crazy is it? When I was trying to do this before, and I was like, "How's your Wednesday?" He's like, my Wednesday or your Tuesday? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking in riddles? I didn't. I totally forgot. Yeah. Like, this guy's talking in riddles to me now. He's like, no, 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 no. man. He's, he's it's sixty now. He's actually just talking from the future. That's that's right. He's telling me because you know who wins presidency, right? In twenty twenty. I go, don't tell me. But um, yeah, man, it's. Uh, I'm excited to have Brett. If nothing else, um, he's probably got one of the biggest in terms of like the the world championships. Most dominating performances, I would say. Oh, I would say it's one of the bigger stories from yeah. the world. 100%. Especially the, the biggest, the heaviest, 10 times body weight total, um, which is freaking like like 83 kilo. How far can they push the 10 times body weight totals? Could we see a 93 kilo do it? Who has been the closest for 93s? I would have to say Jesse Norris. I was going to say, it's got to be Jesse Norris. And what did he total? And like his peak. Fucking good trivia question. Here's it, was the 20, it was around 2,100 pounds, wasn't it? How old is Jesse Norris? Early 20s. Because he's still like young as shit. 24, 25, somewhere around there. Like yeah. He's definitely... But he can could, he could pull it off. He's got time. But at some point, you got to think 93 is as heavy as you go for 10 times body weight. Oh, yeah. like If, if I only get a point where that's super 120 plus and 10 times body weight, this guy's flipping cars, yeah. climbing buildings, eating fucking... Airplanes and helicopters, and we have to shoot them and take them out. Yeah, yeah. Basically, you're dealing with King Kong. That's right. Shows up and decides to lift. That's right. That's right. Yeah, because at it's, some point, like honestly, maybe even 83 kilos is going to be as far as we can make it in terms of breadth. Because I'm not sure if uh, like we're getting up to some territory. It's pretty nuts. Ten times body weight. Yeah. What, what would that be for kilos for 93 kilo? 93. Well, fuck. What is what's the math? It's 930 kilo, right? Yeah, it's 930. See how good I am with that? See how fucking quick I am? I, I, was, I was like breaking up the calculator. All I had to do was add a zero. Get your well, calculator up. This is what I'm wondering. So there's your total in pounds. Just over 2,000 pounds. 2,500 or 2,050. That's fucking ridiculous. That's what the 93 kilo would have to be. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. Because, so 930 kilo total, you look at guys like Ellis McLean and shit who are like winning the worlds with like 840. Yeah. That's pretty far off. Like, I don't know. That's, it would be a big stretch. To That's a big ask. Yeah. Incidentally, it should also be said, uh, Brett, with this 830.5, he would have won the 93 kilo open. 
Which is interesting because there's always been rumors about Brett going up to 93. Yeah. Now, I asked Brett uh, for the IPF Worlds to have me interview the champions afterwards. And I asked him because I said, like, you flirted with moving up to 93. And he said, um, uh, no, I don't think. Like, I flirted with it. I tried to put on a little weight. wasn't going to happen for me. So he's just going to leave it as, like, an 83 kilo. But I don't yeah. know, man. When you start looking at... You know, the possibility of being a two-division champion. Let's say no 83s really come around to overly push him. And he's thinking, my God, a two-division champ. Now you're, you're like yeah. Daniel Cormier. Well, maybe he does like a, uh, like a Mr. Deadlift, so Rizbecki, like where he goes in as a 93 or a 105 in that yeah. case, but he's a light 93. Yeah, yeah you don't have to fill no. up. The only thing he is... he throws on another 5, 10 pounds, doesn't water cut or anything, and he's suddenly... The only thing is, um, I mean, if LS hits... You know, he's, he's 840 up. So, yeah. 830, like, do you move up to come in second? Like, he's a champ. Yeah. I mean, you risk it. Do you still take that risk? Yeah. Or do you stay where you're at and try to build a legacy in 83 before you do some funny business like that? I think you at least take the take the 83 title again. Build a bit of a dynasty? Build, build your dynasty. Up your total. Yeah. Put, put, put together, put to bed, like, all the different doubts that yeah. people have had about you, whether you're just a one-time offer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Build it, yeah. Yeah. I think you're probably right, because that's what Verbecki did in 93. And then decide where you want to go. Yeah. And in the meantime, somebody could walk into 93 kilo, like, what if Jesse Norris walks in there? Yeah, he comes All back. All right, fuck it, let him have He it. comes back, you've got no... What's the biggest total Jesse Norris has put up? I feel like he... I think it's, we have to look this up, because I feel like he was close to 2,000 total. So he's got to be close to 10 times. Are you serious? I like think a so. 900 kilo total? That sounds crazy to me. We talk about, everyone talks about Jesse Norris, like crazy numbers and everything, and he does, but never, I want to see him go to the Worlds and do some of this. Yeah. He's got to be somewhat consistent to at least make it that far. Be crazy for him. You pulling something up right now? Yeah, so Jesse Norris, all-time best is 2033. Holy. At, at 2015 record breaker, so he's okay. right there. But at 198. But that's obviously deadlift bar. Yeah. Uh, there's other intangibles. Do they have, did he have wraps? No, I don't it think. says without wraps. That's still fun. That's like incredible. That, so what's that in kilos? 2033? 2050 is 930, so you're looking at... It's in the 900s. That's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Deadlift bar or not, that shouldn't help that much. God damn, that was three years ago. Three years ago. How is he not putting these performances back up? The I fuck, don't know. The fuck is going on with this cat? But anyways, <clears throat> but I digress. Let me take a look here what Brett is saying. Okay, let's give this guy a ring. Yoink. And there he is. What do you say, Tom? How's How you going? doing? <clears throat> we, uh, what, time, what time is it over there, sir? Uh, just gone 10 a.m. now. 10 a.m.? Yeah, 10 past 10. Yeah. Just waking Monday up. Monday for us. Getting the day yep. started, eh? Yeah, we're not even there yet. So how you feeling, much, sir? Man. How you feeling? Just finally got back to homeland? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I had like... Just had uh, about 10 days, just went on a little holiday just to relax and chill out in the sun. 
Yeah. And you just just got back to New Zealand on Thursday night, so yeah, just getting back into the swing of things, really. Did you watch the UFC last night, sir? Uh, I watched I watched one fight. I didn't actually buy the UFC because when the Holloway card fell off, I was like, oh, I won't bother buying it. So I watched I watched one fight just on a stream and uh, just just saw the highlights of the rest. Did you? So what do you think about Daniel Cormier being the heavyweight champion of the world? Yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty cool. Eh? Like he's obviously like he's a super good fighter. Like yeah, and and it was always going to be like it was always going to be close, and there there wasn't much really room between the, the you know he's a light heavyweight champ and now obviously the heavyweight champ. But as far as they go for size, now, there's not really much of a size difference there. So yeah, to me it just it just more or less felt like another fight um, for him. It wasn't really like he was really going out of his way to to you know put on weight or anything like that. He was just like take another fight against someone who lives in a different division and he won and he's a champ like yeah the one thing with with Cormier when he showed up so he's 40 years old they say he's 5'11 I don't know about that he looks short man he looks like he's like he is a very short 5'11 he's a short 5'11 let's put it that way and he looks like your father you know what I mean like he looks like his body looks you you could trust your girl around him and you'd be fine You'd be all right. Yeah, yeah man. Like, he was looking particularly wide around the house yesterday. <laughs> with, uh, Dude, he, with, was, he was like 240, 245 or something. Yeah, he was bigger yeah. than uh, bigger than Stipe, heavier than Stipe. Yeah, he was heavier. If you saw them walking down the beach, you'd be like, look, one of these guys is a world-class athlete. Which one is it? They're all going to look. Stipe is like six foot three, six pack. You know, it looks like all looks like yeah. a professional athlete. Yeah. And then you had Cormier walking in there looking like he's fucking working in the back of a goddamn Denny's or something and just kicks the shit out of the guy. He takes his world title. And it, plus he's 40 years old, 40 year old man too. I yeah, mean, it's, no, it's, it's, it's crazy because like when you think about the training that he does, like the calories he must burn, because like, he's a fit guy too. Like Cormier doesn't really, he's got a good gas tank. He yeah. doesn't, he doesn't oh, burn yeah. out very quick. So like we obviously know he's got the endurance there. There's obviously a bit of genetics and stuff that plays a role. But, it's got to be just must be his nutrition or something. His nutrition must be pretty average and he just overeats a lot. Yeah. So it is. Or, it's well. interesting because it's true. he goes five rounds. Like, he has those t-shirts, Embrace the Grind. And, like, he's a wrestler yeah. who made the Olympics as, I think he's ranked highest fourth in the Olympics for wrestling. Yeah. And, like, he's a, he's he can go all day. Like, the guy's in incredible shape. So how does he get that chubby man? Well, I mean, 40. Maybe his metabolism just slowed down a little bit. Like, there's got to be some. But, no, I mean, he's, he's always been like that. Yeah, he's always been like that. Yeah, that is true. Like he's never been a bodied up dude. No. This dude has never no. been like some dime piece dude. You know what I mean? It works for the guy. Yeah, it clearly works. Or it's just genetics and it's like, hey man, I'm gonna be chubby. So here's another thing. He's training like a son of a bitch and coming in that fat. What's he gonna look like when he retires? He can't stop training. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, I think he'll obviously change his ways. That he'll probably realize he needs to. He can't keep doing what he's doing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To stay sure. healthy, uh, you know, when you're getting into your forties, weighing two fifty. Did you see? Did you see um, Brock Lesnar go into the octagon as well and push him and be like, "Yeah, this I guy sucks. That. that guy's bullshit and fuck you." And he yeah. was something. I'm coming for you. That should be. Yeah, cool. yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, everyone was like, everyone was complaining about it. They like too much WWE types, uh, WWE type stuff. Yeah. But um, I don't know, man. Like, what do you think of Brock Lesnar? Do you think he's a very good fighter? Uh, so okay. So here's my take. He is legit wrestling. Like, a, like in terms of wrestling in the US, is like they take it like super competitive. Like they are yeah, so yeah. big on the wrestling to win like a state championship. They, my one buddy who was Canadian champion for wrestling, national champion. 
He went down to the U.S. just to watch like a like a high school state championship in one of these states where it's big. They had a fucking stadium with like a jumbotron TV with highlights, people getting interviewed, and he's like, "What the shit? Like they, it's crazy big, yeah, man." Yeah. And yeah. then um, so for him, for Brock to be a Division One national champion in all of their universities and all of their colleges, and they have freak athletes, and they have like 350 million people living in their in their country. It's incredibly high level, right? So his wrestling yeah. ability is like fucking like crazy high level. And um, he one year he won, the second year he got a silver medal, so it was no fluke. And then uh, and I mean, you look at the guys he beat. He legit beat like like he beat like Randy Couture, beat Frank Mir, beat fucking Heath Herring, beat like Shane Carwin, who's a beast. And, like he beat some legit yeah. dudes, Mark Hunt. Um, I think he's a dirty fighter. He's dirty as a fucking $3 bill. There's no way this dude is clean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no yeah, doubt yeah. about that. Yeah. We all know what we're getting when we... Well, especially since he's coming back from the WWE. Yeah, like, yes. Yeah. It's, it's foregone conclusion. But, um, like, he's a good fighter. But he's also 40. And he's fought once in the last four years. And it's got to be... It's kind of like, you know... Uh, I don't know. Like, he's, he, he's, he's jumping the head of the line. Big, he hasn't fought his way back to, to a title shot. Yeah, he definitely has, and then people are saying that like how Steve has just gone on was it three or four or five win streak with the belt, yeah, um, and then doesn't get an instant rematch like yeah. that's pretty like not yeah. very good. But um, with the thing with Daniel Cormier, it's so like almost hypocritical that he he will accept the fight and wants to fight Brock Lesnar after he goes on continuously about John Jones taking yeah. PEDs yeah. and like shouldn't be able to fight, should be banned, like should never be able to come back in the UFC, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But then he's like, I want to fight Brock Lesnar. Like, he's bailed stop throwing and stuff like that. And then, I don't know, man, I, don't, I feel like he's just like, one's an excuse and then he's like, he's happy to go fight someone else for some money and stuff like that. But then, say he's the greatest of all time because John Jones doesn't count. Like, yeah. well then don't go and fight Brock Lesnar then. Like, yeah, yeah, but he talks. Here's, I will say, DC... He fought Jones. They were going to fight again, and Jones pissed dirty. And then Jones came back from suspension, and DC was still willing to fight him, even though he came back from suspension. So, yeah, he, yeah. so he did. He's And then uh, and he'll fight Jones again. He says he, he would, but he's not going to wait forever. If Jones is suspended for another two years, he's like, fuck it. Uh, it is what it is. So he will fight a guy who's been suspended, but he's against it. It's, it's tough because, like, in that sport, it's dirty as shit, man. It's one of those games yeah, where it's like, if you don't fight a guy who's... If you were to be like, I'm not going to fight anybody who's piss dirty or I think is dirty, then you pretty much should retire. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's tough. It's yeah. Tough. Yeah, at the end of the day, as I said, paycheck is going to... Yeah, way more and than worth it. The paycheck so. is damn nice, yeah. for sure. And and he's fighting a guy who's forty years old, fought once in the last four years, and he's singing, "Fuck it, it's a paycheck, and I'm probably gonna whoop this guy's ass and look good yeah. doing it." Because yeah. I I think it'll end up like when Kane beat up Brock. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think I think he'll walk all over him for sure. Yeah, his, his wrestling's just as good. They're good like in the clinch and stuff like that. Like they both be just as good on the ground, whether on the back or on the top. Yeah. And then just as far as striking goes, it's not even a discussion no. to be had. Yeah, no. No, that's, that's I, 100%. I think you're bang on. I think yeah. once they get close, it'll be just like Kane. He lands a couple, and then all of a sudden, Brock Lesnar's doing the funky chicken, breakdancing along the, the octagon, yeah. and, and that'll be that. He'll collect a huge payday. Um, talking about, like, the height. In terms of, like, obviously, Brock Lesnar brings that height, comes in there. How do you, It feels like, in terms of powerlifting, you seem to always be in these heavily hyped showdowns 
And, and like all, every time you walk in there, it's a big hype job. Do you like that? Or do you think it puts a lot of pressure? Do you think it's needed? Um, I think it's, it's definitely not. It's a, no, I think it's a good thing. Eh? Like, um, I think having close matchups is what the sport needs. Mm-hmm. We, need, we need to be going to, uh, to more of a competitive angle instead of anti-competitive. Like, we, you know, like when people walk away with a, you know, like when Ray goes up to compete now, we just go, we're going to watch Ray. We're not yeah. going to watch the super heavyweights. Yeah, yeah. So, like, um, you know, when there's guys that are close at, at a top, you know, top, you know, two, three, four, five, like that's more exciting. Yeah. And, um, you know, if I can be, you know, cause, because, you know, like obviously I won this year and other years I've always been, you know, near the top or, you know, like a favorite or, a, you know, it's either going to be one or two type thing, I think. It's pretty exciting to be a part of that, so you're going to be drawn into that anyway, regardless. Yeah. Um, and you know, with newcomers coming, like when Hack is no longer in there now, and guys are trying to come up, they're obviously trying to chase me down. Like, uh, you know, obviously Russell this year, but then last year was more or less. Um, it wasn't quite the same feeling, just because I sort of let it go myself, even though I think, you know I came second, obviously, but. No, I think it's it's pretty cool. Eh? It's it's pretty cool yeah. to have those close competitions. Because because yeah. we need those rivalries in the sport. Otherwise, people just start yeah. like it's not the same. Like you said, there are a lot of divisions. Like Taylor Atwood, far and away the best seventy four kilo out there, shows up, runs it. But on the flip side, um, in terms of like sports rivalries, without somebody right there neck and neck pushing them, yeah, harder to sell. In terms of when it's live, harder to make it entertaining. Yeah. Being like, oh wow, well, like it's harder to keep into it as a competitor yeah. as well. I find. Probably. If you don't have somebody, kind of if you don't have somebody pushing you, then it's yeah, some kind of hype to be yeah. like, oh shit, this is yeah. this is big. Did you feel for this one? Was it as big as like 2016, or do you think like or because I think in terms of hype, it might not have been as big as 2016, but I think in terms of overall amount of people watching powerlifting, it's bigger and bigger every year. Like that's what the stats. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I I don't think the. Uh the hype was there. I think, um, you know, just from my opinion and even speaking to Russell, because it was obviously me versus Russ and then the social media side of people putting their own perspective on it. And I sort of felt like from what I was seeing online that Russ was the favorite. Um, I, I knew, I, I knew, you know, like, um, from my own self, and basically make some lifts. If I was going to be uh, six out of six, like if I was going to the subtitle six from six, then, I was going to walk away with it. Yeah, and that's... You got the word? Yeah, I think every now and then it cuts a little bit, but we can see, we can hear you. Can you hear us? I think he's trying to find us right now. Yep. Hopefully it won't come... Connection lost. Looks like we'll have to give him a call back. Yeah, one sec here. We're back, sir. We there? Yeah, sorry, I must have another. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Okay, sounds good. Man, sounds sorry, good. yeah. No so worries. So, yeah, where, where, um, where did we cut out? I'll, I can pick back up where, where we're at. I think we're talking about. Um, we were talking about Russell being on social media, seeming to be dubbed as the favorite for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So that that was just my feeling, and I like I felt like people were putting him as the favorite, and and, and I don't. I think it's maybe just the way uh, the the way you perceive yourself online. For me, this year is it's been a little bit different over the last sort of year. I've just been just sort of doing my thing and just going to the gym and 
having some fun in the gym and just sort of, you know, going about my way a bit. You know, Russell's in a place right now where he's, he's, you know, he's super motivated. He's like, he wants to be the best. You know, he's, he's really open about it and he's uh, trying to create, uh, you know, a big hype around the way he, you know, the way he lifts and the numbers he's doing and et cetera, et cetera. So I think that sort of puts a perception in the, you know, out there of, of you know, what someone's going to achieve, you know, in the, in the next comp or the comp after that, et cetera. Um, but, you know, like I was saying, if I went if I went to that meet and just lifted what I was capable of, there was there was no one you know he was not going to catch me like it was not even going to be close mm-hmm. um, and so all I was telling myself was just be six from six at the turn and um, if you can do that you're just gonna you're gonna walk away with it so that's what I aim to do. That's why it's such a dicey proposition when when like the caliber lifting getting so high. If either of you guys had missed your last squat, the door opens up, right? Because the other guy oh, yeah. moves so far ahead with those squats being so big. Um, but then the big surprise really was like. Last summer, he had hit, like, in the 790s, um, and then... Six, 690s? Uh, or, no, I mean in the um, total. For total, he was, oh, like, 790-something yeah, yeah. kilo. And then, yeah. um, so everyone kind of assumed, almost a year later, he would be around, like, into the 800s, because he's young, and um, progression-wise. Yeah, so yeah. you yeah. think, well, this shit's going to be, like, well, this going to be tight. And again, if you go by his social media post, and, like... He was he's, killing. He's putting up huge numbers. He was killing. And, um, and then, so when we walk in here for his total, have, it dropped to, to the Arnold, but we thought, just an off day. Okay, off days happen. And uh, he won't make the same mistakes or the same situation won't play out again. But then at these worlds, 783, like, that's good total. And the guy's strong as shit. Yeah. But it was kind of yeah. like, man, we kind of figured he'd be like, yeah. I, I don't think he was ever going to put 830. Like, that was probably out of reach, but closer nonetheless. And I think... Yeah. What might have happened, because for sure he's killing it in the in the gym, but um, I think maybe what you were saying too is, because he was putting up such big numbers in the gym, do you think it's a possibility he might have peaked early, pushed a little too far because of the hype? Like, does that kind of thing play in, you think? Um, I, I don't necessarily think it's that. Um, I think there was, you know, just from, because I follow Russell online and stuff and just, you know, look over his videos and whatnot, just like a, any other powerlifters do. Um, and... You know, he went from a period there like where all of his squats look really marginal. Like they all look like they were a little bit high, maybe like really borderline. Um, this is just my point of view. And then like, so his execution wasn't really there. So like, you, like we all know like, the, you know, an inch in depth of when your hips move below that, hip crease move below, below, below the knee. If you don't hold that same position, like, um, you know, you can lose a lot of poundage just from that, you know, a couple of inches. And, yeah, yeah. Um, just, just little things like that, like in your head too, you're like, oh, where's my depth there? And then, you know, if you're telling yourself, oh, just go to the meet and drop it another inch, you'll be fine. Like, then all of a sudden you just start burying the squats and you've lost another 30 pounds, like, or, you yeah. know, what was 600 pounds now moves at, you know, 8.5 RPE as opposed to 6 RPE. Like, those little things happen and when you're constantly doing that in the gym and then you go to a meet and you're just sort of setting yourself up for failure um, because you're sort of hoping, over, over-hyping yourself and giving yourself too much confidence in the gym. Um, and whether or not that was a small factor and was, along with, you know, I don't know how much weight he cuts, um, you know, like what's his body weight off season versus that of me, just, um, you know, those small things can add up versus like, you know, how well he executes his pauses in the gym um, and, you know, how well he holds his deadlifts because from some of the videos I've seen, it looks like he has some grip issues as well. Um, so, you know, just on some of those bigger pulls, whether, you know, he can hold the bar and, you know, when you lose that body weight, how how it affects his grip and 
just some of those smaller things and I, I think he's still developing as a powerlifter mm-hmm. he's still sort of he's still in that transition phase and you know there's a reason only two, two guys right now in the 83s have total 800 or above um, you know me and John Hack it's because it's not easy and you know when oh, you get to no. 790 and 785 and that like you can't just expect like oh he's going to continue to grow, uh, grow at the same rate he was before and he's going to be 800 810 820 830 like yeah. it's you know you, you're going to have those ups and downs and you know I know that He'll obviously learn from it, come back, and you know, next time he might just completely blow it out of the water at 8, 15, 8, 20, you know. So that, that's just sort of how it goes. Sometimes just learn from some of those small things that you can better yourself with in the gym, um, you know, day in, day out, and, and uh, just focus more on the execution as opposed to just the, the hype and the numbers day to day. Is that so? What do you think the biggest difference for you between this world? Because I asked you on the platform. Uh, for the IPF interview as well, but what do you think the biggest difference for you was from this year to last year's World Championships? Yeah, definitely not being sick, uh, you know, the, the, the week of the meet, and being yeah, sick that, coming in the team good was good. Yeah. But, yeah, being in a country where I felt comfortable and I had people around me, whereas last time I was quite isolated, I was in an Airbnb in Belarus, and the whole just event was very stressful for me. Um, had a lot of shit going on. Um, as far as training-wise and like where I was at mentally, um, I felt like I was just very calm and, you know, calm, cool, collected in the gym pretty much every single day. My, I was hitting all my workouts. Um, I wasn't getting down on anything. I was feeling really good just in general over, like, the six months leading into it. You know, I, I tore my quad a few months out and I yeah. said, ah, it's going to heal soon. I'll be fine. I'll get back to 300. Um, whereas, you know, maybe in previous years I would have been, oh my God, you know, <laughs> the world's ending, you know, like, yeah. so I was just like, I just felt like I was very different in my approach to training. I was executing really well. I was, you know, always squatting to death. My pauses are always really good, you know, when I need to do them. And uh, I've been training my grip this time. So like, you know, I've had good six months of grip training for the deadlift. So my confidence was rising there. So there was a number of factors that were like, you know, in and outside of the gym and, they, they played a big role into me just going, hey, look, let's just go do what I can do. Let's not go, oh, man, I squatted, you know, 285 this week at 6 RP. I'm going to squat 317 at the meet. I'm just going to go, I'm just going to squat what I can at the meet. Like, I'm just going to do that. How's that sound? That sounds good. <laughs> it's you know true. what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, is, it, um, is, is that pretty much from experience? Because you've been around the block. These, these young guys coming up and they haven't felt the hype. You've been in some of the biggest events that we've seen the most hyped showdowns continuously every year um and in yeah. 83s is always a popular one of the more popular divisions to watch yeah. um is it easier and easier now to walk in there and, and being that confident being like look i just gotta perform and do my thing i don't need to chase numbers i'll be okay yeah i just gotta go three for three six for six and then take it from there yeah yeah that, i think that's pretty much it is like I feel, I don't know, it's, it's hard to say because you almost want to go through that stage where like we don't want to tell intermediate or like, you know, like maybe not intermediate, but like early, early year lifters. So like, you know, they might be only lifting for four, five, six years, but like they're still elite lifters, but still coming up through those years of how long they've actually been competing and lifting for to not go through that phase because they almost need to realise it for themselves and everyone sort of has everything that they need to realise for themselves and getting yeah. told something is not that valuable sometimes. So like, you know, when I think about the way I used to act, you know, coming up to get to where I'm at now, like, I couldn't imagine being where I'm at now with the attitude I've got right now. Like, you know, you've got to go through those ups and those downs and super aggressive and maybe backing off a bit and, you know, choosing your moments. Um, 
So like where a lot of people are at right now is they love, they love to just create a lot of hype around what they're doing all of the time and like this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to do that, I'm going to be the great blah, 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 blah. Man, just execute, just do what you need to do and just yeah. lift the weights that you're capable of, right? That's all anyone's trying to do. So yeah. like when I, when I just change my perspective on what we actually do, like as, as lifters, like we are just lifting weight, we're trying to get better, we're trying to get stronger. You know, everyone has their own goals, like, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do what I'm trying to do. People go, oh, man, that's so impressive, blah, 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 blah. Man, it's just as impressive when someone else that's a good PR and stuff like that. Like, that's that's truly, like, everyone talks about that sort of stuff, but a lot of people don't actually believe that. Like, I see, I guess I've sort of come around to, like, sort of just more or less thinking like that. Mm-hmm. And um, just, yeah, just, it just it's just a whole lot less stressful. It's you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Especially, like, um, some people, when the hype gets really big, it's like a Conor McGregor, to use another MMA effect, Conor McGregor, the hype gets bigger, bigger, and he he thrives in it because he doesn't diverge in terms of the training or how he performs. He knows it's going to be the same. Whereas other people yeah. in the same event, the hype is bigger, and all of a sudden it's influencing how they're training. Now they're pushing RPEs, or they're they're thinking like you know, like I remember running the Instagram for the IPF, taking John Hacks. Uh, set of eight and oh shit Brett Gibbs did a set of eight also I splice and put them side by side who did it better just to create hype and then um, if you guys you probably remember some of these and if you guys were like buying into it you'd be like shit I have to do this next time in the gym or I have to in reality no you don't you gotta stay in your game plan but the hype can actually get somebody to start doing a little more I think John was on here and he was saying like he admitted, he's like, shit, man, there were times when I looked over, seeing what Brett was doing, he's was like, shit, I better raise my game. Because he hit yeah. earlier this week. You know, Sean Noriega said the same For thing. Sure. When, when he was going to face off with Russell Orhe as well at Nationals, he's like, fuck, man, I would take a look at what Russell's doing, and it would influence the weights you use in the gym because you think, I'm not pacing. Yeah. And, and that fucks yeah. up your RPG. Well, and you're not taking into account anything like, you don't know what he did that day in terms of rest, in terms yeah. of food, in terms of last week could have what been he shit. did last week, this remember? A, yeah. So there's a you're lot just, of... Yeah, yeah. You're just beating yourself up for no reason. Yeah, exactly. And you're getting like, a lot I think, of... I think, um, just like from my perspective on it, there's definitely like a... There's definitely a balance of, of that thinking as well. Like, you know, it's like anything like, you know, now that... You know, now that I've hit 8, 30 or 10 times body weight or, or whatever, like, you know, like, uh, Taylor's doing the same, like, the guys are going to see that now, like, that's the benchmark. So, like, there's always that, that, you know, people, it's, it's been seen before. I think one of the best examples actually maybe Ray squatting 400. How many guys have come and squat 400 now that Ray's done it? Yeah. yeah. You know, like, he set the benchmark, guys are like, shit, that's what I've got to do as a super heavyweight. Oh, my God. Yeah. Start, yeah. start training harder. Start just changing that mindset a little bit. Guys can do it, so can I, like, and they just keep pushing forward. Yeah. So, like, there's, there's that there's that fine balance between them not getting too caught up in the right now, but there is a there is a limit there that I need to start pushing towards and I need to start working hard towards that. So just finding that right, that sweet spot, eh, is, is, is key, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, for people who don't know, like, the four-minute mile, for a long time, everybody yeah, thought last year. nobody was gonna run the, the mile in four minutes. And they thought that was a barrier. And that's legit in sports. It was one of the four short barriers we always had was the yeah. four-minute mile. One guy ran, the, and the people that were running, like, fucking all throughout history. This isn't, like, a new sport. Like, people would run as long as we had two legs. And the first time somebody broke the four-minute mile, within a year, four more people broke it. And then within ten years, it was, like, double digits how many people are breaking the four-minute mile. All they yeah. needed was one fucking guy. 
And this is yeah, like yeah, back yeah. in the day before like there's major changes in terms of technology and whatnot. This is like we're talking 1930s type deal. So yeah, so exactly that. Once people know it's possible, look at this thousand pound squat. Everyone's like, this is crazy. Ray hits it. Now he hits it every yeah. other week. Like it's a warm up weight. That's some shit that he just hits, yeah. right? So yeah, I know exactly yeah, yeah. what you mean. Um, have you ever, so do you do, when you're watching, you're scouting these guys, like Russell or he or, or whoever it's going to be, have you ever seen what he does in the gym and told yourself, shit, if he's hitting this squat for triples, I, if I'm going to pace and be battling him out, I need to be around that number as well? Has that ever affected you? Or, 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 or yeah. Um, not, not to that. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say I necessarily scout. I definitely don't scout. Like, I follow Russell because, you know, he's a great lifter, got an awesome physique. He's, um, I know he's a pretty out there guy with, with two different people for sure. Um, you know, I follow John because, you know, we had that, that showdown. He's, you know, he's a cool guy. We have a chat every now and then. Um, so, yeah, just, just follow these guys and you just see them on Instagram feed every now and then. I don't necessarily, when a, when a video comes up, I'm like, I get concerned or worried about what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, there's definitely times, like, I'll see them hit, like, some, you know, good rep sets. And, oh, man, yeah, I'd love to try that, you know, when the time's right. Like, when that's in my program or that same rep range is around, um, then that's always a good, uh, something good to aim for. I know roughly where about some at, uh, as far as uh, strength and that same rep range when it comes around, uh, you know, to comparing myself to where we're at. Yeah. That may be something I do, but it's definitely not. I don't walk into the gym and go, oh, you know, Russell hit that 280 for three, I'm going to hit 282 for three today, like, and make changes. Like, nah, man, it's just like, it's there, it's there, it's not, it's not. Yeah, and you know, I think that's with maturity because it's so easy to get caught up in what other people do. And there's so many factors, like, that could be his RPE 9, you're scheduled for an RPE 7, and all of a sudden you start pushing your RPEs, and that's like, um, I mean, I'll be honest, like, I've been powerlifting for 10 years, and I've been in the situation where I ended up just leaving my best in the gym because I'm just pushing that shit too hard, get a little yeah. too, like, I pushed so many RPEs, like, it almost was just a suggestion after a while, it was not even the plan anymore, <laughs> you know what I mean, where yeah. you're like, what? Yeah, yeah. you almost lose yourself, you're like, what am I, I'm almost... I'm almost like just going for numbers and the RP wasn't even there oh, by the end. It's so easy to get caught up in your own hype as well yeah. when you hit something. So you start thinking, okay, I'm going to push it another five pounds to see how that goes. And then you and start then doing... I'm going to push it 10 pounds because that went smooth. And you start doing the math. Well, shit, if yeah. I could do this weight, then that means I'll do that on the platform. And it's like, yeah. no, my friend, you're going to end up having the world's best training session in the gym and have shit on the platform. Yeah, you're going to be, gonna be yeah. getting rubbish. Yeah. Yeah, 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 stuff like that. So, I mean, it is, uh, like, that's where being a veteran helps out. How long have you been powerlifting, actually? A long time. Uh, I've been doing it a long time. I've actually, in June, so just last month, I think it was the 18th, uh, 2008, was my very first powerlifting comp itself. So, just gone over 10 years competing in powerlifting. Um, as far as being in the gym, it'll be a couple of years on top of that before I found the before I found the actual platform. So, you are a 10-year veteran, and how old are you? Uh, 27. Damn, you're still wow. young too. Holy smokes, man. So you've been doing it since you were 17 years old. And now, yeah, man. So good. I was going to say, and I remember a video of you uh, training with Dan Green in Raps, I believe. Was that right, really? at, the was that right at the start of the powerlifting career? No, no, that was, uh, I was actually attending a World Champs uh, in, uh, it was in Killeen in Texas. It was the equipped World Champs in 2013. Okay. So, so the flight, first flight we caught from New Zealand to San Francisco, um, we were there for just for a few days, just to you know chill out before we flew over to Killeen. 
so I needed to get a couple of training sessions and I was messaging uh, you know, one of my friends from Australia at the time and uh, he said, oh man, there's a Dan Green training. To be honest, I knew a bit about Dan Green, but I had no idea where he lived like we do today. Yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, go to Boss of Bosses, um, uh, sorry, Boss Barbell uh, Club, it's over here, blah, blah, blah. So I caught a train, it was like an hour and a half or something out of San Fran and uh, just showed up at the gym. I messaged him before just to make sure I could come. And yeah, yeah Dan, and, Dan and Sparkle were there, introduced, uh, got introduced to them. And Dan, yeah, he's just like, man, go for it, do what you want. He was like training someone else at the time. It's like, we're just having chats in between. And yeah, yeah. He, gave me, he gave me a magazine that he was on the cover of. And, and, <laughs> yeah, like. Did he yeah. sign it for you? He gave you a magazine he's on the cover of. Yeah, yeah, no, because he had some magazine, like he had a bunch of them because they, oh, they like, just came out. He's like, keep it, I got like 30 of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, it was, I think it was one that just came out, so he gave me one of those magazines and like, you know, it was just a real cool dude, eh? So, um, yeah, I was just, just training there with him, it was pretty cool, like just before I went off to, off to Killeen. How tall is Dan? Uh, I don't know, he must be like 5'11". Is he? Okay, okay. I was wondering, because he but, was... No, maybe, maybe, maybe 5'10". He's just a... He's, yeah, it must be about 5'10", I'd say. 5'10", yeah. Because he is absolutely huge. And yeah. got, like, the huge... Like, Dan Green is one of those dudes in powerlifting for me who's, like, that guy who's, like, almost can't even be real. You know, he looks like he he's looks, from a fucking comic book. He looks like he's a cartoon. He looks like he's a cartoon. Yeah. He's, like, the super coolest dude. Like, everybody, the, the way he carries himself and, like... On Instagram, yeah, yeah. he follows nobody. Yeah, nobody. It's so badass, <laughs> but yet everybody follows him and knows him. I'm like, fuck, man, I can never pull that off. No. If I follow yeah, nobody, there's nobody like, follows me. Guy can, there's only one guy that can pull it off. Yeah. And it's Dan Green. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's something about Dan Green, and we need him back. He's been injured for a while, though, right? Yeah. And he keeps, it seems like he keeps, like, toying with the idea of a comeback. Like, he keeps yeah. hitting these huge weights again. Well, a 905 conventional pull, yeah. in the, like, oh, with wraps, but still, that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's a strong dude, man. He's, uh, it's cool. He actually, like, remembers you, too. I, I walked past, uh, I was at the, the Arnold one year. This is in America. It must have been, like, 2015 or 16 or something. And walked past, and he recognized me. Hey, we just had a bit of a chat and grabbed a photo and stuff like that. So, no shit. So yeah, yeah, no, he's, a, he's, a, he's awesome, man. He's a, he's a cool dude. There's a reason why guys like him. Yeah, you know, for like, sure. like you just said. Yeah, it's yeah. A, even watching him talk and stuff in his interviews and in his, like, his seminars, he's got that charisma about him. Have you noticed, like, when you walk around now, do people recognize you? Especially in oh, New Zealand. What's it like when you came home after the World Championships? Oh, no, man, it's just, you know, everything is usual going to the gym again. Uh, you want to say congratulations, all the usual sort of stuff, and you just back to your business, man. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, no parade, no uh, no parades, no call, nah, no call was, from the president. It was like it, it was like a month ago now. Like maybe if I'd come home, like you know, two days later and flown, and there might have been a bit, yeah, no. might have had a bit of uh, you know, you know a what, few drinks and some beers and whatnot. Yeah. But you know what it was? Those fucking kids in the cave stole your thunder, man. Yep. Right. That's what it was. Those fucking kids stuck in the cave in Malaysia or whatever the shit they it's are. Thailand, yeah. Thai, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it's, <laughs> who cares? Okay. You know what it is. It was a like soccer team, baseball team, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're doing the rescue at the moment, actually. Yeah. They got two kids out this morning, eh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, they got a, I think they're up to four now, I believe. But the point is, it's Soldier Thunderbread. You got to be upset about this. Yeah, they might have to four, but then I think... Oh, shit. Oh, okay, we're frozen again? Yeah, we're frozen on this side. Can you, can you hear, sir? 
Oh, he dropped off again. Let me give another... himself but 820 total you had 830.5 it's not often the guy below out totals the weight class up it's kind of enticing yeah. now LS previously has hit 840 so it's one of those shit do I move up but if you did how crazy would it be to add another weight class world championship to your resume does it intrigue you do you think about it or are you thinking right now I gotta I want to keep building a dynasty in 83 yeah, it's it's funny that it happened that way that that the uh, the ninety three or the eighty threes beat the ninety threes. You know, that's actually something I always wanted to do because um, I knew I was going to be eighty threes for a while, and I was like, "Shit, man, I want to be so good that I beat the ninety threes total. Like, that would be awesome." Um, and there was eighty, there was a ninety three kilo junior that totaled uh, eight thirty from um, from Sweden, going six from nine. So he's like, he's a super good lifter, yeah, heaps of potential. Um, but but like I was telling you in that uh, in the after interview, I think you know like where my body weight's at, and I've done a comp at 93. Like so last year I competed at like 87 kilo, just eating like usual, didn't have to cut weight. And, you know the no nothing was like 86.8, so I was like on the low end of 87, you know, yeah, or top end of 86. Um, and you know I lifted really well, like I totaled 832 and a half, pretty comfortably, going eight from nine. Um, you know, should have hit 840 just if I got my last deadlift. So there's definitely some room for improvement in there. Was really just like training like usual. I can try to force me to put on weight to, you know, hopefully, you know, put a lot more on my squat and, uh, and squat and bench. And we all know deadlifts are always going to be pretty similar. Um, so there's definitely an option there for it eventually. But I feel like right now, like the way my body weight's sort of holding, and, and I've always wanted to be. Leaner as opposed to fluffier, so I yeah, always going to yeah. be more hesitant to go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, stay the lean. I want, I want the abs showing a little bit of leash, you know. Um, you don't want to look so, like Daniel Cormier. I was, I was supposed to say, you don't want to pull the poor Daniel Cormier. You, you show up, look like a soggy piece of cereal, but it's like it's hard. The day, the day I'm cutting for 93s, I'll be looking like Cormier. Man. <laughs> you're cutting, and it's a tough, rough cut. You make 93s. Yeah. By the skin of your teeth, you make 93 people. Like, God damn, Brett. Wow. Yeah, yeah. What happened, eh? So, <laughs> so at, that, at this stage, I feel like I've got still a lot more potential to, to you know, knock out some, some even bigger numbers. You know, like... It was, it was a couple of years ago I was talking about hitting 850 in the 83s, you know. So I've got to 830 now, and I feel like, you know, just looking back on that performance and, you know, had it not been a world championship, so if it was just, a, you know, like an expo type meet where there was no competition, it wasn't worried about building a total, I could have maybe been, or definitely been, you know, more aggressive with some of the attempts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's there's no reason why I, why I can't walk away and look back in a couple of years and go, yeah, achieve that 850 or that, yeah. you know, even 860 and 83. There's no reason why I can't do that. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and the huge milestone of being uh, the heaviest 10 times kilo or 10 times body weight total was, is huge as well. Like, you don't want to risk throwing that away. In terms of your story, so when you're, when you're commentating, okay, I always do like, um, I build up guys for showdowns, number one. But then someone, yeah. starts, someone starts pulling away, like you started pulling away by the time the dentist, 
the story changed from you versus Russell, and it turned into you chasing history for that 10 times kilo body weight, or 10 times uh, body weight in terms of your total. So, it, like, you have these little milestones you can still hit, and they're exciting for people as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it looked like all the lifts looked so smooth. Like, your last deadlift looked like you had something on it. Your last deadlift looked like there was still an opener. Yeah. It looked yeah. so smooth. It's, it's were, you, so smooth. Like, were you shocked with how the weights were moving for you that day? Uh, not, not really. Like, I mean, the, the, for me, the biggest, the biggest challenge for the day was the squat because, um, you know, not only was I coming off, you know, a torn quad, so I'd just gotten back into I had one training block and then I had my, like, peak block. So, like, I hadn't dealt with a lot of weight. Like, the biggest squat I did was the week prior was 285. And, oh. like, yeah, like, it moved good. Like, it was like, oh, that was pretty good. Yeah. Like, it was around eight, it was around eight RP or whatever, but, like, you know, previous were like the year before, like I had three oh two point five at like eight and a half. Yeah. So like, even though I knew like I obviously you know didn't do anything last year, I squatted three hundred high. I was like, okay, I haven't handled the heavier weight yet, but you know, I know, I know I've got the strength there for it, but now I've just got to go and like just execute. So it was always a little bit of a, um, I wasn't as confident, but it was, I also wasn't uncomfortable, but I wasn't as as confident just because I hadn't had the. The, the period of, of weight on my back for the last, you know, three three blocks of training. So I was gonna say, did you change up anything with your squats going into this? Because I know previously, like, there's been other meets where you've had some issues with depth and that, but this is probably the best your squats ever looked in a meet. Yeah, no, no. It was, you know, it's, it was funny. This was good coaching by Angus. So Angus is one of the New Zealand guys, um, and you know, like people say, like, I mean, for me, it doesn't feel like I've had any issues with depth because when I think about when I, when I go back, the last squat I missed on depth was years and years ago. But then yeah. Angus was like, no, it wasn't. It was 300 kilos last year at Woods. And I was like, damn, it was too. It's like, it's like post-traumatic stress. You block yeah. it out. You're like, what? Yeah, yeah. So, but like that was the only example I can think about that I've missed a squat on depth. And then I go back to at the Arnold's was in 2016 where I missed two on depth. And like it was from there that I made big changes. I went back to a small heel, and then I had no issues with depth until I missed that 300. And that was more, that was a bit of a mental thing. It was the first time only 300 in comp. Yeah. The World yeah. Champs third attempt, I'd already won the squat. You know, like it was, um, so like it was just, that was just more of a, like a bit of an error. Whereas like now, now I feel like depth's really good. Like I'm always on point, I'm always training to depth. Um, so I've got no issues with that. Um, but yeah, I didn't make any other changes as far as technique or anything's concerned. It was just, I was just confident in my execution, and, yeah. and, I, and I did it, so it was good. So you changed uh, from heels to flats? Uh, that was a while ago. I just went to a, a low heel, yeah, from flats. That was in 2016. Yeah, and yeah. why? Did, and you yeah. just feel like and it's bad, because some people, why do you think you, you prefer the flats yourself? No, no, I, no, I, go, I went from flats to flats heels. To heel. so, oh, heel, yeah. gotcha. so, and why do you think you prefer the heels yourself then? Oh, it just um, just keeps my hip position a lot better. Like with uh, the heels, I'd start to get a little bit of tuck, you know, when I go a little bit, you know, when I pretty much hit depth. So with the heels, I can just keep it a bit more neutral, keep a bit more uh, of that power there. So, uh, and I've got no question with depth, I'm not searching with depth or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so, so that's why I went back to the heel as opposed to flats. Because mm-hmm. I've kind of yeah, balanced around myself. Well. Yeah. And it's always different for everybody, right? Like, uh, yeah. everybody's got different levers and stuff, and like some people want to do it because Brett Gibbs is doing it, but they're not yeah. the same dimensions as Brett Gibbs or, or, or fucking Dan Green or yeah. whatever. But uh, is that you, sir? 
Yeah, that was Megan Nicole, but no, I just I blocked it. <laughs> You're getting clients coming in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I seen recently you were posting a little bit about, um, well, a two-part question here. Uh, you, you've been talking about maybe moving to Canada. Is that right? Yeah. Are you moving yeah, to Canada? Yeah. Are you coming? Because we'll take uh, so, so, so actually what was supposed to happen is um, I was supposed to move here on that trip to Worlds, and that was the time I was moving to Canada. So when I arrived, I got my permanent residency, so I've got... I've got now I've got permanent residency for Canada, um, but we just delayed it a little bit because my my girlfriend basically she's Canadian. I met her in Canada a few years uh, a couple of years ago, and um, we're just waiting on her to sort of decide when we want to leave basically. So she's she's just doing some uh, contract work in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, so she'll just finish out another contract. She's she just ended by when we went on that trip, and she'll be starting a new one soon just with her with her work and communications and. Uh, and then whenever she's sort of ready to go, we'll be moving back to Canada. And most likely, we've been talking about Vancouver yeah. as the place would go, um, just because it's quite like a central sort of point for to New Zealand and her parents and family live in uh, Saskatoon. So yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's that's on the horizon for sure. And um, so, what's the deal with being able to represent Canada at the Worlds? And how do you know how long you have to wait, or how long you have to be? What's the procedure there? Do you know? It'll be basically I'd have to be living there. So even though I've got the permanent residency, I've actually got to be a resident pretty much. You know, I've got to reside there. I'd have to join the CPU and then it'd be like, just like you guys do, you know. Uh, you know, you'd have to attend your provincials. You'd have to go to your next one and then you'd have to go to nationals. Yeah. Um, and then from there, once you've done their nationals, then you can just do provincials and nationals as, you know, yeah, the local one. And then... And then, and then, yeah, so I think it's provincials or whatever. Yep. Yeah. And then, uh, and then go to national. So I'll have to do that basically um, to be able to live for Canada. So I think, yeah, I'd have to move over and make sure I time the move right that I can have the first comp to go to nationals and then get on to the world's team from there, you know, provided I, I win nationals because, you know, you guys are quite competitive as far as filling up a team. Mm-hmm. So you, you actually, you know, like you, you know, you have to go to nationals. You have to win to yeah. earn your yeah. right to live. I can't just go, hey man, look, I took right through last year. <laughs> that, like, no, no. Where New Zealand's obviously a little bit different. That may, that may actually work, but probably not. No, well, so with Vancouver, um, I know with Ontario, they would make you go to regionals, then they make you go to. Oh shit, he just popped out again. Yep. One second. How you doing for time, by the way? I'll have to run in a second. Okay. You can bounce whenever you got to bounce, sir. Actually, you know what? This is probably a good chance for me to bounce. Okay. I'll tell Brett. I'll I was tell Brett. Say, as much as I don't want to and want to continue I'll, this. I'll tell Brett you, he offended you. In yeah, your, in your it was the third time that you just came from us. I was greatly offended. That's right, you walked off. You're like, this is amateur. This is fucking amateur. This is amateur. This is bush league. This is goddamn bush league. I am outraged. Uh, if I was okay. that guy at our nationals, I'd punch you in the face. That's right. Right, see, ya. see you in a bit, sir. Good luck. I don't need luck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay, sir. Well, man. Yeah, so, yeah, so as I was saying, yeah, like pretty much, I've just have to kind of qualify like usual, like you guys would to make the team. Yeah, because I think in um, British Columbia, where Vancouver's at, I, you know, I don't even, I think it's a lot easier. In Ontario, so each province makes it, like, a little bit different, right? It's a little complicated yeah, yeah. here. So in Ontario... Yeah, Ontario is the hardest, I know. Yeah, I've got a man. couple of clients in Ontario, and they, 
one of them had to go to the Easterns to yeah. make it to nationals, and it was just like, dude, like Easterns is in like a few weeks. It's in uh, Nova Scotia, and, yeah. and he was like, I, I can't afford to go to that, and then go over to to nationals as well after that. So we we couldn't make it work. Whereas yeah, in BC it was like, oh, as long as you've um, done the 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 local one, then yeah. you go straight to nationals. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't know, man. Like, it's it's tough, eh? It's tough yeah. for some people. Yeah. And then um, I think someone was saying, does the IPF have any rules that you have to be living there for a certain amount of time or anything? Or are they just, if you're if they put you on the team, you're good? I think I think they just want to know that you're actually, you're actually a resident of that country. Because I think this is maybe where some people have run into problems. Like, I know when the IPF had an issue... Where I think Liz and Kimberly Walford are examples I can use yeah. maybe based on information I'd heard. Yeah. So I know Liz Craven, maybe she has a South African passport as well. Mm. And she doesn't live in South Africa, but when the powerlifting Australia were banned from um, banned from IPF, she wanted to lift under South Africa. Mm. But they said, no, you can't do that. You don't live in South Africa. Yeah. And then I think the same with Kimberly when she was denied, denied the USAPL, uh, USA team. She went to live for the Virgin Islands. Yeah. And then said, no, you don't live in the Virgin Islands, or they just declined it outright. I'm not 100% sure on that one, but I think it was, seems like a similar scenario. Yeah, because in, it kind of makes sense, because if we don't at some point be like, wait a minute, do you even live there? Because people can start floating all over the place and like, hey, Lapidas Romanian, I'm going to live for fucking Team Romania. I've never been there before yeah. in my life. And it's like, come on, man, you don't even live there. So I think they want to see live there and actually go through the normal qualifying, you know, making the national team type deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, to me. And the, the, the national team, is, that's quite individual. Like, everyone has different ways on how they can qualify. Like... So I think it's, it's pretty much as long as you've done a total somewhere, then that's generally going to be acceptable for the IPF, but then it's up to your your country to say whether or not that's good enough for them to give you the spot. Yeah. Like, whereas, you know, most people now, like, you know, whether they're super competitive, like Canada and America, are the, really the only ones I can think of that's been, you know, previously would have been Australia. Um, you know, those are the countries where, like, you have to go to nationals and you have to win your weight class and you you got to get nominated from there. They're going to pick the team based on those results. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whereas a lot of countries that don't fill out teams, they can be pretty pretty flexible in the way that they want to choose their team to go to Worlds, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, Canada, yeah. 100%. We always have a full team. And it'll be – I don't yeah. think, like, there's going to be nobody there who's going to be able to push you that I can think of. But at the very least, you'll, you'll show up at Nationals and it's, like, live streamed, blah, 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 full uh, commentary the whole nine as well. So, yeah, man, I watched it all. Yeah, I watched it all last year, and yeah. probably watch it all again this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, is is New Zealand? I think there was something coming up. You had been posting your story. Is New Zealand yeah. possibly leaving uh, the IPF, or are they? Is there going to a vote or something? What's the current status of that? Do you know? Yeah, so basically, it's going to a vote. So we've got the AGM at Nationals, which is August twenty fifth. So on the Friday previous, uh, prior to the Nationals, there's a there's a vote going down at the AGM. You have to be there in prison. You can't vote online. So basically, what the what the remit to the to the rules are for the New Zealand, um, you know, the way that we follow or our principles are basically, or whatever you want to call it. Um, the the rule changes. The New Zealand Powerlifting Federation will follow the rules of. 
um, World Powerlifting Organization or whatever it is, the the one that Robert Wilkes has just created. Yeah. So they'll follow the rules of that, and they'll be affiliated to that, and they'll roll out the IPF. So the IPF will no longer be will no longer be affiliated to the IPF. It's pretty much what the rule changes. Mm. We're going to be affiliated to this World Powerlifting Organization, and um, yeah. So to get that change, there has to be a two thirds. So 66% of the votes have to come through in favour of the change. So it's not a one-to-one thing. So, yeah, so that goes to vote, yeah, like I said, on August 25th when we find out, you know, what's going to be, what's going to happen. And that goes, that, that'll be effect, uh, effective as of uh, 1st of January 2019. So it's not effective immediately, but, you know, essentially it might as well be because, yeah. And then they probably, I'm assuming, a new, if they left, a new federation would pop up, take its place to be an IPF affiliate? Uh, yeah, I'd say I'd say that would that's probably what would happen um, because that's essentially what Powerlifting Australia, uh, the Australian Powerlifting Union, have done in Australia. So same scenario when the Powerlifting Australia were kicked out of IPF, uh, Australian Powerlifting Union was created, and they were the you know they were there at this year's Worlds, you know, competing. So it just means yeah, some more work for someone else to do and. They're going to have to create another federation more divide, and you know I've, I've definitely got my opinion on that, and um, and what should happen. But yeah, it's just a shitty situation, man. I don't know. Eh? I, don't, I don't know about the whole thing, but it's tough. I, I don't agree with it, eh? Like so, in the the new federation's owned by Powerlifting Australia too. So um, essentially, it's just going to be run the way that Robert Wilkes wants to wants it to be run by. Um, and it's quite interesting to look to look into some of the details. I've got one more podcast to listen to with that Robert Wilkes did, um, with a couple of guys in Australia just talking about the new federation itself and how it's going to work, etc. And I think oh, I want to make a video sort of with more of my opinion on it. But at the same time, I don't because I sometimes I just can't be bothered with the, just all this politics uh, and sport at the moment. But you know, if no one speaks their mind, how are you going to get anywhere? So I might have to do it. That's true. So what what do you feel? Is it because Robert Wilts, is it basically he's going to own it so he won't be voted in or voted out or anything like that? Uh, no, no, I don't think that. I don't think that's really the show. I was just sort of making that statement that, yeah, like they are owned by Powerlifting Australia. It's like they, they, they say Powerlifting Australia, and this isn't anything to do with it, but people talk about this for some reason. It's, they say Powerlifting Australia is a company that's owned by Robert Wilkes, who's the CEO, um, who can't be voted out. But then... Apparently it's owned by the members, so it's just like any other affiliate, but Robert Wilkes is just a, um, a guarantor, a personal guarantee or something on the on the company itself or something like that. But I don't really think that plays too much of a role, but it's sort of maybe just some clarification around there, how that really works, because looking at the um, the Australian companies list, it looks like just a standard company, mm-hmm. um, you know? Um, so I don't really know the legalities around that. So it's sort of a bit hard to comment, uh, comment on that. So we just need some real clarification and like evidence of, you know, how that's how the company's actually structured. I think it would be good just to clarify everyone talking about that. Um, just because you know, if it did come to when people wanted to vote Robert Wilkes off, they should be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's not just for Robert Wilkes, but I mean, because he's in that chair, one of the CEO of the company, the the guarantor, or whatever. You know, if he want, if he wants to be voted out by the members because they own own it essentially. Um, we just need to make sure that that can actually happen, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. There's, I think that the New Zealand Powerlifting should stay with the IPF. I don't, I don't believe that you know starting a new federation is going to is going to help. Like it's just more divide again. There's going to be absolutely no competition in the new federation. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they're having a, a world champs this year or next year, and it's just like it's going to be laughable, you know, that looking at you know 
probably the, the competition level that's going to be there and again more you know more, more people call themselves world champs world record holders etc etc um, you know new weight classes they've changed so there's eight women uh, eight male weight classes which can, I don't know if you've seen the weight classes yeah. but they're completely different you've yeah. seen them yeah yeah um, they've got masters masters start at 35 to 39 and then 40 to 45 or 44 they go in five year increments from 35 I think which again I think is just completely anti-competitive again we've got guys like you know we've had guys like Dave Ricks even like say someone like you know Liz Craven um, Marissa maybe uh, like people that are in like the Masters class that are winning opens you know like uh, you know or even in the top five you know I don't think there's a reason that you know sport isn't fair you know sport's not meant to be fair like you have a peak and you're and you can be the best in the world then, but after that, like, you know, you sort of fade away. Like, that's just how things happen. So yeah. I'm just making things more and more fair, if that is a fair comment. You know what I mean? Like, we don't need to just include everyone so everyone can be the sort of the best or top in their class. We don't need to keep doing that. Yeah, wire so, like, down type deal. Yeah, making it less competitive. So again, like, everything just, uh, like, I think with those changes, I don't think they're necessarily good changes at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah so I saw just one of the other rules that it was like you know no t-shirt for women um, you know which I think is completely fine that's a that's a good rule I don't know why that's not already the IPF whatever and um, the other one was was what, what was that there was one other rule eh? fuck I'm not entirely sure. You you popped up a couple more that I already didn't know about. I knew about the age, the, the weight classes change, age groups change. Hey, okay. Yeah, so, uh, yeah I knew about uh, some of those other ones that you had mentioned, but I'm not sure about the other rules. But I know what you mean in terms of, like, watering down. Because sometimes we get people messaging, like, King of the Lift saying, hey, can I get a repost? And they'll give me, like, first they start for the credentials. I'm a world champion, blah, blah, blah. But it's a federation where it's like untested, 100 kilo, and his total is like 750. It's like, shit, man, yeah, you're, yeah, not, yeah. you're not a real world champion, man. Like, I, like whatever world championships you supposedly won. So it's um, especially, I think the untested division is a little different because they don't really have one real world championships. Right now it's kind of like the U.S. Open, and, that, and that's the biggest one, right? Um, the yeah. world championships now. But in terms of like if you're going to be in the tested before the IPF went raw, there was a bit of a divide because if you wire IPF, you had to do gear, and um, some people just were not going to lift in equipment. But now that the IPF is classic division, if you want to go tested, like there's really not too many other places you can go. Like our sport isn't big enough to accompany it, and some of these other world cha- like federations coming out. I think some people might have their heart in the right place and be like, "Look, at, I want to, I want to see some change and be the change I want to see," or whatever the shit, but. Like you're saying, the more likely route that's going to happen, you leave yeah. the IPF, you go for this other Fed, you're probably just going to fade away. And yeah. that's it. People well, just will stop knowing who you are. Yeah, well, let's, let's have a quick chat about, about this thing. So I'll give you some more, more insight from my point of view, okay? So I don't know if you've, if you've read the minutes from the IPF meeting um, when they kicked power from Australia out and Gaston's letter to the executive board. I think I read it a while ago. Was this out a long yeah, time I- ago? Yeah, this was this was that long time ago. It's just yeah. the it's just the the minutes from the meeting, and basically, it's, in Gaston's letter, they talk about Robert Wilkes just pretty much harassing the IPF, 
blah blah this like he's uh, they're doing this they're doing that oh, no sorry like you know he's just pretty much causing a headache to the IPF and yeah. then like and one of some of Gaston's comments that I you know Robert Wilkes if you look at his leadership the way he does it it's like it's only his it's his way or no other way like and they they he like they basically form an opinion around like um, the way he wants things done is like there's no negotiation with him like that's a and um, and like when I when I read that it was like like because I like Rob Wilkes he, Rob Wilkes is a good guy to chat to and he's like he's super like invested in the in the sport and he and he wants things done right but that when I when I read that comment it definitely like it clicked with me like if he's going to be leading that world powerlifting organization. There's literally only one way, and it's his way. There's no negotiation, which is one of the things that you know people always complain about with the IPF. It's like they feel like that um, they have little to no say in, in how things are done. But I mean, that's not true. There are changes and stuff that have come around that have been in favour of the lifters and stuff like that. And, and the other argument, like, and maybe just to give some evidence or something on on that on that point of view, and like how people say like. You know, he, he's saying that they're corrupt and then they're saying, like, well, no, we're not prove it type thing. And, like, how Robert Wilkes wouldn't do anything like that. Well, one one year, this is a few years back when when, uh, when Wilkes and that was, or when Powerful Australia were hosting those regional events. Um, this, this guy, um, so they used to fly me in and just put me up for a few nights while I go and compete and then I'll go back to New Zealand, which was so good. Really appreciate it. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, and one year I went to these seminars with this guy in Australia from Australian strength coach. I don't know if you've heard yeah, of him. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he trains yeah. after. Yeah, yeah, him. So like, we were going to do some seminars together. So we organised them. We booked the dates, um, the locations. And I think they were sold out. We were doing 25 people or something, three gyms uh, in four days. Um, all, all done, all ready to go. And then I get a message from uh, Robert Wilkes. He's going to ban me from Palo from Australia. So, you know, why is that? And because you're in business with Sebastian Ora, why does that matter? Yeah. Um, well, because we don't like him. You're not allowed to do business with him. It's, you know, he's not a band athlete, he's no nothing like that, blah, blah. Like, so I was like, well, I didn't want to get banned from Power from Australia. And then the, then the, thread, started, uh, then the thread started coming that um, he was going to go to the IPF board and get me banned from the IPF as well. So. I was like, well, then I was getting calls from my, from the president of the music department, oh, he's probably just pull out of it, he's probably not doing the seminars, you know, like, it's a bad look, you know, blah, blah, so, so I thought, so I said, all right, I've got to pull out, I can't do it, you know, me and Sebastian had a chat and he just ran them by himself and whatever, so that was, like, really unfortunate, but it, it was like, there was no, there was absolutely no reason that that should have happened, mm-hmm. and, um, so I get an email from him, this is the only evidence I've got, which I was, just sort of some of the stuff I want to present in the video, but, like, the, Pretty much because we were on the phone as well, and the email was like, Hi, Brett, thank you for doing the right thing and withdrawing from the Sebastian shows. As predicted, the expo people are right onto the situation. They rang me today and confirmed they want nothing to do with Sebastian or those connected with him. So, like, so to me, like what he was saying in that email, what he did say is that the guys from the expo who are hosting Powerful Australia do the events were saying that if you have any of your lifters in there that is associated with Sebastian, then we're going to can the whole thing. So he didn't want that to happen. So to me, that shows like the position of power. Like he was, he was happy to go. Okay, I'm going to ban you. Um, I'll try to get you banned from the IPF if you do these. Um, and so we'll, we'll kick you out because someone else sort of didn't see the same view. Like so, like you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like he, yeah. he bullied me yeah. into a point that you know, like that I had that I couldn't do this. I couldn't do do some business with someone else. And like. 
So how is that going to affect it when all these other decisions come into play? Like, um, I know, for example, like he didn't like someone that tried to sign up to powerlifting Australia, um, so they signed up, um, and he automatically just refunded their money. You're not allowed to join the federation for no reason like that. You know, you can't do that. You can't run something like that just because you don't like someone. Yeah. You know, he, he like assumed that like they were on drugs or something like that. But it's like innocent until proven guilty, man, not the other way around. Like if someone's on drugs, go test them, and if they fail, yeah. then like then that's it. And um, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I wouldn't want to. Then like maybe just one other example, so like more members can sort of see like some. I think they have like a whereabouts list. So it's like just when you sign up, you're like just say where you train, like the hours you usually train. But generally, those things like for athletes that aren't on the actual WADA protocol. Um, they're not actually, they don't have to be at their location. It's just like, just the general whereabouts. This is what I normally do. So apparently, like, Asada, so the Australian Doping Commission, showed up to the gym. But she trained She trained, She trained. trained at another gym that day. Yeah. And um, and so, like, you know, like, you get, like, you get a few warnings, like, oh, I feel like if you're going to be somewhere else, she's probably just updated. Or if you change them, you just need to update it. And you get, like, a few warnings. But that's generally only if you have to be there. And if you don't have to be there, then there's there's no there's no there's no warning, there's no nothing because you don't have to be there. Like it's just you just move on. So um, Asada didn't offer any ban, but Power from Australia just banned her straight away for six months, I think it was. Just a flat outright ban, like no no warning, no nothing, just a flat ban. Like and I was just thinking like, like and then maybe some other examples is like gyms you can train. Like so, for example, when I went when I went to Australia, I wasn't even allowed to train at Sebastian's gym or gyms that like were weren't associated to powerlifting Australia. Like unless I were like just a commercial gym or something, but yeah. none of those were like more like powerlifting private gyms. So like I was just thinking like New Zealanders wouldn't gel well with that. Like we yeah. wouldn't like we want to go train with whoever we want. We want to conduct business with whoever we want. And if, when it comes time to lift, we just want to go lift from the federation we want that's, you know, generally with tested lifters, you know? Yeah. So I just, I don't think New Zealanders would gel well with that sort of, that, like, that demand, like, that, like, sort of that pressure put around from, like, if you feel one step out of place, like, not that you're, step, you're not that your foot's out of place, but, like, we're going to ban you and all that, that, like, that's threatening, like, that, that sort of behaviour, like, I don't think we gel well with that, and that's why I don't think it's probably a good idea. Mm-hmm. To get involved in the, um, you know, with with him being the with the, the leader, like the sole leader, and um, you know, I've, I voiced that to to someone I'm close with in Palafin Australia, and and it shows that like there is that bullying antics within Palafin Australia already because him, my response to this from this guy was yeah no I agree and I spoke with Wilkes about that and he said yeah he will need to change his way if he wants to try and grow his federation. So you can already, so like if someone's saying that and he's already admitted that, then you know that there's something wrong with the way things are being run right now mm-hmm. as, as, as opposed to trying to grow something bigger. But you can't base someone on, you can't base something on what someone's saying that they're going to do. You can only base them on their actions up to this day. Mm-hmm. And like, so you, so you know what I'm saying? Like even, it's, it's all well and good to say, I'm going to run a federation based like this, that's run on this, that's for the members, that there's no lies, there's no deception. But if you've already been doing all those things, then we're going to base you on that, not based on what's what you're saying you're going to do. Uh, and that's just the way I see it. And I, and I like Robert Wilkes. Don't get me wrong, awesome. Like he's an awesome guy to chat to. He won't chat to you until you pass a few drug tests if you're a good lifter. Like the first time I met him, he never spoke to me. He didn't speak to me for a few years until I got a few drug tests under my thing, and then he actually spoke to me. 
Um, but yeah, like I, I like him as a guy and, and what he does. But as far as like being directly under his, you know, his say so, that's nothing I want to be a part of. I don't think New Zealanders would want to be a part of as well. Um, yeah, and the other thing that they got rid of was the uh, was the drug testing. I'm uh, uh, sorry, the approve list. So they got rid of the approve list just to stop. You know, just got to be under the specs of 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 whatnot um, of the you know the belts and the singlets, etc. Mm-hmm. So I don't know really how that's going to work because there's there's a few ways to look at it, but really it's a business conversation to be had, and maybe not like a lifters conversation because the way that the um, the IPF ask for their money from sponsors or from you know from brands is to essentially gather money to from what it looks like they you know like last year they got like you know it was something like a couple hundred thousand euros from the those those sorts of fees but like in drug testing alone it looked like they paid like 190,000 euros just in drug testing mm-hmm. so where's the money going to come from to perform the drug testing required if like you're not going to be getting those fees and so I did like it more like a, a bit of a post on, you know, is it expensive to be a powerlifter? And really at the end of the day, if you want to, if you want to be a great powerlifter, you're going to pay those costs no matter what. But the general assumption or the general consensus from what I got based on my post was to get the approved gear list to lift in, uh, to lift in the meets you want to lift at, that's generally a pretty low expense. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion and from the opinions I was seeing based on, uh, you know, based on my Instagram uh, comments. So I don't necessarily think that that's a huge deal. I think the people that um, disagree with the, the money that the sponsors are paying, it's more or less from like a morals point of view, not necessarily from like that they're having to fork out and pay for it. It's like, well, shit, why is a brand paying like 50,000 euros for three or four years approved gear list type thing? Mm-hmm. But you know, those, those, those companies are making millions anyway, so. Well, doesn't matter too much there. It just it can just rule out the um, the the smaller businesses and the medium sized businesses. But um, but at the same time, I can see them trying to monopolise the top just so they have a few brands and so that a platform looks similar um, mm-hmm. all the time, as opposed to just being multiple multiple brands, more stuff to check. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's there's definitely a conversation to be had around that. But I don't think it's a I don't think it's a conversation that needs to be had around it's going to grow the sport because I don't I don't simply think that having no approvals is going to grow the sport at all and, and that's what like a lot of times people are just naive to what it's like to run a federation a global federation and the type of costs yeah. like to hold a world championship some people will see that one world championships and um, I, I mean just the media team alone they brought in the thousands of dollars they got a full-on TV crew these guys make yeah. real television and I mean, multiple angles to um, obviously like full-on commentating crew, slow-mo, the whole, all the effects, thousands and thousands of dollars, just so that if the IOC's yeah. watching, they're not, like the US Open, great meet, but they have one camera, no scorecard, no commentary, just on the platform. IOC watching that, they're like, this is an IOC level. Or if you were to give your friends the link, this is the world championships, they see that, they're gonna think, this doesn't look like world championship quality. So they they realize the package has to feel like world championship quality. So from yeah. from the sponsors on the on the board on the back to like the quality of the stream, everything, and the amount of money it takes oh, and no, like no, organization, no. people just don't understand. Like this and it's non for profit. 
you can look all these numbers up if you like, where's the money going, and people are voted in, or they're voted out, or, or what have you, right? It's transparent, but um, in terms of like, why are they asking so much money as sponsors? Like, man, I think if some of these lifters tried to take on the IPF, they'd, they'd sink it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not as easy as they think. Gaston has a hard job. All of them do. It's funny because like, there's, there's so many conversations to be had around the money side of things, and, um, and like, like you, if you're talking about looking up the IPF expenses, like that's just the company expenses, I guess, like the IPF itself. Um, so, like, for just for example, like you know, when a when a meet director hosts the meet, this is one of the bigger one talks about talked about. That's essentially not run through the IPF account, so we don't actually know the the figures around those. Mm-hmm. So, like, we don't know if a meet director's walking away. Like, some people say a meet director walks away with a hundred thousand dollars. You know, mm-hmm. where are all these expenses going? Like, this guy's getting there, like. So, so for me, the um, I don't really know like how it would work, but like or how it needs to work, but just more openness around it, like everything. Like it's easy to say, like you know, like you know, because it doesn't run through the accounts. The IPF don't essentially have to give any information on that because it's nothing to do with them at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like openness around, you know. Well, if uh, like is a meat director making any money or not? Like just answering some of these basic questions and like. And, like, the breakdown of the expenses isn't really that great. Like, I'll maybe just want a bit more information around the expenses itself. But then you look at, like, what Castan says in his, um, in his letter. He says he works roughly six hours a day, um, you know, five, six days a week type thing for the IPF. He doesn't earn anything from it. He doesn't get paid. He doesn't get a salary. There's two people on the salary, which are two secretaries, I believe, mm-hmm. um, which have just come in in the last year or two. Um so, I mean, who's, who's going to do that full-time? Who's got 40 hours a week to spend on running the IPF for free? Almost and all of them are. I will add, he travels a shitload to do, do all these meetings and do all this stuff. That is the worst work ever. Yeah. Have you been to an airport twice a week? Yeah. No, it's, it's so dead. depressing, man. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't even... That, if that was a 100K job, I wouldn't even do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like... It's, so it's, it's got to yeah. be exhausting too because I just, all I do, I only work the, uh, the, world, the classic world championships. Um, yeah. they, they ask me to work a couple of the other ones, but it's tough because I got a normal day job. But how fucking tired and a much of a grind it is for that one event. I look at the IPF calendar, man. There is like, it's every month there's something else. And Gaston and all those guys are flying all over the world constantly and these are long days and they're volunteers so it's pretty crazy and i don't know like yeah. the type of expenses it would be to hold these kind of thing but um yeah i mean like he's he's closing some major deals we're actually on the uh the olympic channel the it's going to be the equip world championships are going to be on the olympic channel so they're trying to like push us in more with the ioc recognition and possibly the olympics but um yeah like they're constant they're grinding they're working anyway so it's not a bad thing that people necessarily have input about it but i think some people don't fully realize just how much work it is behind the scenes to make these wheels turn they show up they lift they leave and then they got their critiques but it's like man do you have any idea how much work like it would be to put on one yeah. of these events It'd be nuts and in terms of like yeah. uh meet directors making money maybe they do maybe they don't i don't know but it would be fucking huge to try to put on a world championships man it would suck like yeah. i would never i would never want to do that I would need like yeah, a yeah. full-on team. The stress that would be behind it. I don't know how much. I would have to crunch the numbers in terms of expenses and how much they make. 
But um, it's pretty intense, that's for sure. You're earning, if they're making money, they're working hard to earn that money, that's for sure. Yeah, and no, uh, no, I fully agree, man. It's, I don't know, like, that, that's why I think there's just so many ways to look at it. And, like, like oh, it's, just, it's just ridiculous, man. It's just the arguments people have around it and are not doing anything about it, just complaining about it. And it's, it's yeah, it's just, it's just crap, really, like. There's so many people that are doing a lot for the sport that aren't getting paid anything, and they're, um, you know, and then there's guys that are just walking in and taking all they can and they want everything for free. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I've got a, a clothing company that I've just sort of started, and the amount of hidden costs that come up here's a bill for this, here's a bill for that, here's a bill for this. You're just like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Like, and like, the amount of like, even just like shipping and that that you actually pay versus what you charge is just ridiculous. Like, yeah, yeah so like. I think the what maybe that can be done better is just the IPF media putting out some some better terminology and some better breakdowns and some better like discussion posts around what they're doing with the money, why they why they sort of ask that money and what they're trying to do. Like mm-hmm. instead of just not talking about, it, like, it seems like they don't really make any posts around that sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. just address the members and say, hey man, look, there's a reason that we only want a few sponsors on board and that we make it super expensive for other guys that are trying to come in that aren't really up-and-coming brands because I've seen some some emails and, and like rationale around why they do that you know it's like you wouldn't want 20 brands in there and like a brand comes in and can only afford it for a couple of years and all of a sudden they're gone and other people are left with this gear and they can't use it anymore because yeah. they can't they couldn't afford it and, you know they want big brands on there they're going to be there to build long-term relationships with a brand that if people buy that brand they know that they can use it in 10 years on the same platform and like yeah. You know, like there's there's probably good reason, but they just need to have a real conversation and give us their point of view on why they're doing it. Because mm-hmm. we can all put like our own point of view on the way things should be done, but if that doesn't equal their point of view, then of course the numbers aren't going to seem realistic or legit or appropriate. But if we go, this is why they're trying to do it. Like, oh, okay, well that's why the prices are like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe some conversation around that. And you're on the media team, maybe you should sing. Uh, Chrissy an email and just maybe just um you know like it's not doesn't need to be it's not a negative thing it's just saying hey guys this is what we're about this is why we're charging like and I think if if we get some answer on that that could open up a good conversation well well this is the direction they want to go and we've got to try and stick with that Mm -hmm. how can we improve things with the same direction of mine you know what so we live in like a, a social media culture where people are like quick to be trolls and be negative, but not, like you had said, not really trying to be a part of like changing anything from within. I actually did an interview with Gaston Parage for social media and took everybody's questions. Oh, crap, we lost them. Sir, okay. So, uh, it's <laughs> <that's> all- <laughs> okay, quick intermissions. Um, I, I was just saying, um, I actually did like, took a bunch of questions for people of social media and did an interview with Gaston Parage and like, so little questions came in. Like, I mean, so few. I, I put it on the IPF Instagram, send me your questions, questions for Gaston, like questions for the president. What do you have? Nobody yeah. gives really shit. Like nobody was engaging. Here's the president of the IPF saying fire them all to me. And we got like nothing. Like I was making some questions up off the top of my head myself. And it was like, this was, it was an exercise that was almost like this. He's a busy, busy. The guy's all over the world, right? So when he's yeah, to, yeah. to get him to sit down and answer my questions for me, and I was making them up to fill in because I almost felt sheepish. We got like four questions for the guy, and he's the IPF chi- or like president. So it's like yeah. shit, man. You got, like people got to uh, like I wouldn't mind doing that again. 
but possibly having like, it's gotta be worth it. And people, if they have questions, they gotta like come forward and, and, and bring the questions to them because Gaston will answer them. But a lot of times I feel like people don't want to even go that route. They just want to vent and uh, do the social yeah. media rants and leave it at that. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the door is open in that respect anyways, but yeah, we got all political here, didn't we, man? <laughs> oh, I think it's just a conversation that's going on right now, so I want yeah. to just have a quick chat about it. You know? It is relevant. I mean, this is, this is relevant for our times. Maybe in 10 years, God knows what this will all be, but right now, this is a hot topic right now. And, and that new federation, I think, like you were saying, um, whoever's going over to that fed, like if you're, for anyone who's, who wants to be like, like a, a professional powerlifting coach or run like merchandising or whatever the shit, you go to a fed like that, your viewership and the amount of people see you is gonna shrink and gonna shrivel pretty quickly. Cause like what competition is, we're just talking about sports. Yeah. Sports need rivalries, sports need competitiveness. You need like, like the nice uh, streams of people to watch, you get excited, the whole nine. You go over to this federation, you're really risking it. Like this can, this can really quickly shallow up on you. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I was saying in, in my post, like cause people like to say that including more people in the sport by making it cheaper is gonna make the sport grow. And I, I, I actually don't agree with that at all. Mm -hmm. I think that the top level filters everything down. So the best of the best of the best filter down all the way through to like the elite, the intermediate, the advanced, and the, the viewers who, know, who don't power lift right now, they can get engaged and maybe find their way into it. Whether they never want to compete, but just want to watch. Mm -hmm. That's how the sport grows. And that, the, the way it grows at the top is by having the most competitive uh, competitions. If there's five guys going in one weight class, one guy misses a lift, he's probably going to come fifth. Yeah. You know, come fourth. Third. Who's going to win it? You know, who's yeah. the strongest? I think, did they go nine for one? If they didn't, they probably didn't win. Yeah. And that's what I reckon is going to grow the sport. The guys that are not willing to pay for the stuff right now that, um, that you know, doing a meet and then going, oh no, I actually don't want to buy all the gear, they're not the future of the sport. I've yeah. seen too many guys try and mess me hey Brie, like um, I want to come to the gym, I want to grab all this uh, gear or I want to do a meet and they just do a meet and never see them again. Yeah. That has just happened so many times I don't even bother engaging with them anymore. Yeah. You know, like, prove it to me you want to do powerlifting and you'll you'll be there anyway. You'll be at the gym, you'll be doing this meet, you would have already signed up for the next meet. Yeah. Blah blah blah. But if you're not doing that man you're not the future, I'm sorry. Yeah, and it is true what you said. So uh, me and Paul, we were like, Paul had Levi, we had a date. So when you came back and Paul was gone, he had, he had like a date he had to take off to. But um, me and Paul were talking earlier. That's how we're going to get, like, we're all, in terms of sports, we're vying for the youth, the athletic youth. Okay, so yeah. right now you have your mainstream sports that when you're a kid and you're athletic, you're probably going to go to one of those outlets. But powerlifting's popularity, when we package it, if you reach out and you watch, oh, I'm interested, let me see, and you see a high quality product being presented to you, like the IPF Worlds, and you see fucking Brett Gibbs battling out with Russell Orhey, or you see the battle of the 105s, and it looks like fucking TV, and it's thick, deep, you miss a lift, you fall back, oh shit, the other guy missed a lift too, now you're back to being even, oh, they moved yeah. into the next event, and it's good, and then a guy wins at the end, and everybody's excited, the crowd's on their feet, that's how people are going to end up signing up. Not because, yeah. oh, fuck, i got to buy a belt. Come on, man. What sports do you not have to get something? At least ground yeah, up I shit know. going. I you know. know. Yeah, but people try to use that. They try, like, say, like, the argument with it is like, well, they, they, you know, they've already got a pair of sleeves. They've already got a belt. They've already got this, but it's not up here for proof, so they're going to buy some more stuff. It's like, 
No way, man. That's crap. Don't give me that stuff. If they're not that keen, they're not that keen. They're not the future. They're going to yeah. be gone in two years at most, like. Yeah. You know? So that, that's that's my that's my view on it. Am I saying that uh, that we shouldn't help our guys that can't afford the gear and that? Absolutely not. I give away so much stuff. Just like you, I'm sure, like, if you get any old stuff, you just give it to someone down in the gym. Like, everyone does that. Yeah. You know, and if you're not doing that, I don't know what's wrong with you, man. Like, you don't yeah. just leave shit hoarding around or whatever, you know. Like, yeah. You just, you're just like, hey, man, take that. If you need to do it, you can borrow this. If you need to do the comp, just borrow this. Yeah. You know, like, that's how I've been the sport. My first singlet that I ever wore was like, oh, my God. It was so terrible. But, like, I just borrowed it for someone else. I didn't care. I knew yes, I was going to one eventually, like. Same here, I had to borrow my buddy's singlet. He's a weight class up for me. Like, it was all loose and all fucking awkward and shit. But whatever, you just borrow a singlet. You don't have to wear knee. If knee sleeves are the bank buster for you, and they won't, they're not. Let's, let's, uh, these yeah. are the same people who drop $150 on booze on the weekend, be like, I can't afford knee sleeves. Get the fuck out of here. First off. Yeah, but, yeah, But let's exactly. say, but let's say, man, you don't need knee sleeves. You don't need wrist wraps if you're just starting out. If it's those dudes just starting out, you borrow a belt and borrow a singlet and you're done. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's easy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and if you get serious and you're like, I like it, then buy 10 less beers on the weekend and grab some fucking knee sleeves. You know what I mean? Yeah, wrist yeah, wraps. Yeah, it's uh, not hard. And that's, yeah, that's just my way of thinking. And, and, but so, and I think the way maybe we can make it better is um, just the way around how IPF worlds is selected. Like if Canada's deep, if USA's deep, man, we need to send more lifters than eight in the open team. Mm-hmm. Eight so like we need to send twenty. There's like like USAPL Nationals is gonna be this year, like there's gonna be Sean there, there's gonna be Russell there, like they'll probably get the top two. Like Russell might not even have a spot next year at Worlds. Yeah, it's nuts. And you know, like Sean is looking pretty damn good and yeah. the way he's been yeah. performing. I think, you know, I, I think he's gonna take Russell out. Yeah, Sean. And people are, people Sean. on Instagram are talking about how Russell's gonna come back and beat me next year. <laughs> well he needs to get through Sean first. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, Sean hit a 785, and he's young. He's yeah, young, yeah. man. He's improving. And you got guys in the U.S. You got like, um, like I know them by their Instagram names, but like uh, Muscle Man Marcus, and like uh, fucking. There's another guy who I think hit 802 kilo total, and he's small. But I'm not sure what Fetty did. I think he's USAPL. I've seen a USAPL hashtag. But this, to your point though. The U.S. powerlifting raw nationals is going to be like as thick as like almost worlds, like minus yourself. But some of these weight classes are going to be crazy. Now the yeah, only, yeah. the only problem with um, if they allow them to field a team of like five people a weight class, then it becomes, uh, you know, does the rest of the world field less or do we keep it? Like I don't know. It'll, it'll become that question of how big will it become at the worlds? And if if you ever tried to argue a rule. Um, where U.S. gets five, and then uh, we just trim the fat with some of the smaller, you know, countries that are putting out guys that are just not competitive at all. Then it becomes uh, people start becoming like it's not as international, and people get upset. And then it becomes like people aren't represented from certain nations. It's tough. It's tough trying to make everybody happy is what it is. But I agree yeah, with you yeah. in terms of viewership. Way more interesting to see top ten dudes are all killers, no fillers. And it's toe-to-toe action. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but I think, like, if we think about that, though, like, if we want to, like, the way I see it, you know, like I said, that's the way forward. Like, we're not excluding anyone else. We're just going to include a few more people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, like, 
you know what, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, that's just the way I see it. Like, we want we want it deeper in the top five. We want five people going head to head. We don't want two people. Yeah. Or you know? So if we if we can do that more across the board, then that's that's a win win. Like, if the guys that you know aren't like they're going there from a country who's not really developed, they're not very strong at all. Like, yeah, they should be able to go, but they're not going to be competitive anyway. Yeah. If they come fifth because only one person was able to show up from America versus them coming tenth because five people came. Yeah. Too, I mean, too bad in my opinion. We want to see the best of the best at the World Champs, and it shouldn't yeah. be solely dictated on just where you were born. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're born in the U.S., you, good luck. Good it's luck, like the Jamaicans winning, like, or there's, like, three people in the in the 100 meter final or whatever like yeah they come first second third man that's just because americans are so good at running yeah 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 for sure you know like, I, I don't know like i just want to see it more competitive at the top yeah uh, slightly chunk um great lifters are able to go um based on the a, a different scoring system that doesn't allow just the national team to be picked off of um off of their own nationals and one person gets a spot like if someone else is going to an expo or someone pulls out a good performance somewhere and they're just as good they should be able to go and lift for the country as well but for me from my personal view is we're so individual I go there to, or I go there to, for me it feels like to represent myself and lift for my family and my friends and they're not necessarily my country because we're like we're so no one gives a shit about powerlifting <laughs> uh, like like the, the the news media, like and I know that's part of a, a sport growing, but like they still talk about, um, you know, they, they have to describe the sport so much in the in the paper. They don't even get, understand it themselves as news reporters. So like I don't want to talk to them. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. They yeah. they like whenever someone hears you're a powerlifter, they think it's a lift. Oh, you're going for the Olympics? It's like, nah, it's Olympic lifting. Or they think you're a bodybuilder. Some people I told them I had a powerlifting competition come up. They're like, is that why you look so tanned? I'm like, what the yeah, yeah. fuck does that mean? Ah, that's, sure, that's right. I'm fucking tan for my powerlifting competition. Yeah, so I, I ignore all of those conversations now, so I just, like, try to stay away, and I only try to talk powerlifting back to the powerlifters, and, you know, like I said, if we can grow a more competitive top end, then I think there's probably going to be some, some more viewership and more understanding of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's kind of different with, uh, did you see Rondell Hunt take the 105s and the juniors? It, yeah, yeah. which was crazy and he put up a total actually bigger than the fellas in the open um, which doesn't happen very often and he said when he came home to Trinidad and Tobago which is like a million people fucking three mainstream media people were at the airport like he got off and there was like a crowd like a crowd of people three mainstream media were like can we get you for an interview please sir sir and he's like in studio and I was like what the shit yeah, yeah. he's got sponsors and stuff and they want him to like come talk to schools and shit this dude could like run for president and probably win by a landslide it's crazy man I was like, <laughs> the nations just like totally grab a hold of him whereas um, in the US it's like if you're a powerlifting champion US has got fucking every star in every sport they don't give a shit like, wow, yeah, that's great, but yeah. whatever. There, there's so many major league sports over there that, yeah, it doesn't mean nothing. You get lost in the shuffle. But um, it is growing a little bit. It, how many people live in New Zealand? Uh, about four, four million. No shit. So do the mainstream media ask for interviews when you show up? Uh, just like, just a couple of small ones, yeah. They're like, I haven't done them. <laughs> 
<laughs> really? You're like, ah, oh, whatever. I got a kid to the podcast. I'm to be honest, man, I'm actually not, I'm not interested in speaking to the media about it. I've done it before, and they just don't, they just don't understand. You just seem to have just, I'm not one to like, I don't know. I just don't enjoy speaking to someone about something that they just don't even care about. The only yeah. reason they want to talk to you is because they might have heard you world champion or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't. They don't understand test. They don't understand like. I mean, they don't have to. Yeah. I'm not saying that they have to, but I'm just saying I'm not interested. Yeah. For both parties, you're like, let's save each other some time. You go right yeah, about. Yeah. Go right about the kids in the fucking cave, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's better things to talk about probably in your paper, you know, whatever. That's right. That's right. Well, listen, man, we've had you on for like an hour and a half. I feel like we're going to have to have you on again sometime because we can easily yeah. run this shit. I feel like every time <laughs> a big topic comes, we can have you on. Um, thank you very much. Is there anybody you want to thank while you're on here? Uh, no, not really, man. The people that, the people that I thank, uh, they, they definitely get a message from me and they, they know they know who they are for sure. You know, you've been one of them. You know, thanks for your help with the IPF Worlds and... Uh, it was a shame to not see you on the platform this year, like last year, but it is what it is. I'm sure we'll be back next year. I will say. Um, but yeah, nah, nah everyone, everyone knows where they're at, and uh, nah, thanks for having me on, man. It's been awesome. No problem. And if people want to reach out to you to get a hold of you for coaching or anything like that? Uh, they can just go to my website, brickgibbsparlifting.com. There we go. Yeah, and just send me, send me a contact through there, or you can sign up right away, or do whatever you want. Just, um, yeah, just get in contact with me through there. Sounds good, my friend. Talk to you later. Thanks for coming on. Sweet, bro. Thanks for that. See you, buddy. Later. Good interview. Shit, man. I was not expecting. So sometimes we get interviews where we uh, talk about, like, their history, their past, their story. How'd you feel walking into a meet? Do you get nervous? And get kind of like um, like we did with Luke Richardson. You kind of get a little more behind them. And, and CC Holcomb, some of these are Screamer Manuel. I mean, like, he's coming back to me right now. But this was a little different because... Um, Sometimes the conversation just leads where it leads, and we end up getting into some of the some of the stuff. I mean, these are issues that I think lifters all over start bringing up and talking about. And it just, like Brett said, these were some of the hot topics of the day. Uh, Brett's obviously an IPF guy, and I'm obviously an IPF guy being on the IPF media team. But it is important to hear, even if you don't fully agree with someone else's opinions, who might be anti-IPF or some of the policies... You got to hear them out. Um, otherwise, how are you ever going to improve or, or at least take this into consideration? Um, and I mean, I think they do. But uh, yeah, that was a pretty good interview. Too bad Paul had to leave. My man had a date. And uh, hopefully he's, he's dressed to the nines. Hopefully it goes well for him. But anyways, hope, hopefully you like the interview. Um, again, next week we're going to have a couple more. We got, I believe, Kevin Oak and our favorite Chubba Muffin, Charlie Dixon, fresh off the IPF World Championships. And I also got a message from Stan Efferding, IFBB Pro and former world champion and absolute gorilla, who uh, we might do a little conversation as well about some of his past with both sports and uh, his new vertical diet that everybody's talking about. So more to come, everybody. Thank you for all the messages and all the positive messages and comments, shares and likes. Keep it coming and give us higher ratings. Until next time, six-pack lap it at, tuning out, six up.